to the very <laughs> first episode of the Foodie Flash, uh, Foodie Flashback. Yeah, that's the name of the show. Um, it's a podcast about your food and your like favorite memories attached to that. Um, this very first episode, I think I should probably explain um, what, like, why I'm doing this and what I'm doing. Uh, in case you just haven't listened to the intro uh, that I posted like a couple of days ago. Um, the idea is basically everybody, as, at least everybody I've met so far, I mean, maybe they're all kind of foodies or like people that just like food in some shape or form, uh, either cooking or eating. Um, but like everybody I've met so far has had like like a favorite food or like a comfort food or something that they that they just have fond memories and stories about. Like whether it's, I don't know, your grandma's mac and cheese or their... Um, I don't know, like I, today I, I like baked something that like my grandma used to bake and like I, I, there were so many memories and, and feelings attached to that. And I thought it would be interesting to like talk about that and discover and share that a little bit. And so we, here we are. And I have with me the one, the only Doc Rock. Aloha. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've done so many podcasts together. Yeah, it's actually, it's almost too comfortable. Like I'm supposed to be nervous or like uh, trying to figure out what to do or say, but I talk to you all the time. So it's yeah, just exactly. weird. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I mean, we're doing this all the time. We're like, we, we should just record our normal talks. I mean, no, actually I, we do. That's called the Mac Show, right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, otherwise we might get sued for that. Yeah, that's true. And that's true. <laughs> it's, it's been a many, many years. I just realized the other day that we've been doing that, that Mac Show podcast for almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's crazy. we've been on podcast for, I think, somewhere close to eight. I think it was yeah. 2012, so certainly around eight years. Man, that's nice. Yeah, I just posted Macworld photos the other day, so long oh, time ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and speaking of foodie flashbacks, that, oh, yes. that definitely the Urupi Palace. Mm-hmm. And the first time you go to some place that brings you a two-foot-long paper dosa. Mm-hmm. And amazing. the look on everyone's face when it comes out <laughs> is like, whoa, what is yeah. that? And it, that, it, that will go down in history as one of my favorite food memories for a long time. Yep. Because here in Hawaii, we don't have that level of Indian restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's funny about the first time that I went to Urupi Palace, that wasn't my first time. I believe that was probably like my second or third time. Yeah, I remember the you, first, you had already The first time there. I went was with uh, Eric Nakagawa, mm-hmm. uh, famously of the I Can Has Cheeseburgers, <laughs> and uh, my buddy Umi, John Lewis. Mm-hmm. And we were there for Macworld, you know, like a couple years prior. And, um, you know, John is a vegetarian. And so, like, we were going to the mission to go meet up with Eric because he's from Hawaii, but, you know, living in the Bay. Mm-hmm. And he he was like, oh, let's go find you somewhere good that you can eat. And we had those two options was that place and another place right next door actually called Dosa. <laughs> and we're like, I'm like in the back of my head, okay, you know, I'm going to cave one in for Umi because he's a good dude and mm-hmm. I'm going to go eat some vegetarian food. I'm going to kick and scream and I'm going to hate it. But I'm just going <laughs> to smile and I'm going to nod and I'm going to pretend because that's my boy and I love him. So let's just do this. Yeah, it's what you do for your friends, right? And then the food came out. And I, I remember, like, I always say 
you know, my my version of the quote unquote food gasm is when you kind of do that little head bob, <laughs> you know, when you eat. Yeah. And, and of course, no one on the recording can see the motion, but it's the motion a little kid makes when they got to pee. <laughs> That's about the same motion you make when you eat something yep. that epic. And I was like, man, who knew? Like I stopped. I really stopped uh, poo-pooing. Mm-hmm. vegetarian food from that moment on and i've had good vegetarian stuff that was mind-bending yeah that that place is definitely that's still my my favorite place in the world to be honest like and i mean you you told us we should go there uh so we went i mean obviously we i think we followed you like you had been to san francisco so many times yeah. we just followed you well, we had another i forgot whether it was kelly or barry but we had another kicker screamer in the mm-hmm. list and i was like yes. okay okay yeah, yeah. i can't wait to do this to somebody else <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun it was it was fun and I, i saw that place and i was like okay cash only family run so i was either it's gonna be really bad but i mean knowing you it's probably gonna be amazing and it was like i mean The, the the thing is when food is really good and everybody's enjoying it there's silence on the table and that's yes. I, I really i think that's really funny <laughs> like nobody like talking all the time before and then all of a sudden silence and everybody's silence. just focusing on the food and what's cool about those places is they they use oh i forgot the name of the word but the metal the big metal uh plates from india mm-hmm. There, yeah. There's a word, atali, atali, atali mm-hmm. or atali, something like something that. Like that yeah. all, you, all you can hear is the clanking of tali. <laughs> and then you're like, oh yeah, this is the spot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and, and I mean, the people, it's, it's family run. The people were amazing. Uh, they were super nice. I remember that. Uh, like we had way too much food and it was way too cheap for the food we got. <laughs> yeah, that's and, the other part that's quite amazing. Um, you know, not to stretch off topic, but yesterday here, here locally, we have a place called The Spot. And The Spot is owned by an Egyptian guy who's lived in the U.S. for a long time. Mm-hmm. And his wife is a Japanese national. And uh, they're both chefs. And they, they themselves cook a lot of, you know, good, um, I hate the term Middle East, but that's just for lack of a better word. Keep mm-hmm. it simple for people's understanding. Mm-hmm. They cook a lot of Middle Eastern slash Mediterranean food. And what's amazing is because of their skill of stretching a, you know, otherwise inexpensive items, yes. they were building plates for like a thousand people mm-hmm. to give to the needy, you know, right now while we're on this lockdown. And so we went in just to get food and I kind of forgot that that was what they were doing. And so you walk in and you saw them lining up, but then it also reminds me that, you know, during college, the reason why that place is so popular here is for $10, you get a plate that's so heavy, you could eat it twice. Yeah. And it's very, very delicious. And Mm -hmm. it has to do with the level of spices and things. And, you know, the broth, there's a broth or like a soupy texture to just about everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm always amazed at how, with the exception of maybe England, where their national food is the curry, <laughs> why the it face, doesn't yeah. it doesn't span the globe much, much further. Like there's curries in places, but they're different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I guess the big one is, you know, the minute that you learn after being a kid, the minute that you learn that curry is not one thing. Yeah. It's a bunch of things and it's, yes. you know, something to do with slow cooking and spices and, yeah. 
you know, low-price ingredients, it, family it can, recipes. Yeah, exactly. It can be, it can have a sauce. It can be dry. Like there's so many different yeah. variants of it. It's 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 really interesting. It's something I've I've found, and I definitely want to explore in 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 this podcast. Also, is that like the best food in the world is usually the peasant dishes, like the the stuff where you didn't have much and you had to make something amazing out of it. And somehow, like you took the cheapest cuts of meat, or you took the ve the veggies that nobody wanted, or whatever, like noodles, whatever you had, and you made something really amazing out of that. And is that where we stole the frankfurter from you guys? <laughs> uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. No, I'm dead serious. Like, yeah. I, I'm curious. Like, I know it's a quote-unquote American thing, but it, it yeah. came from the the German um, immigrants. So, yeah, def definitely. And they were using the the junk pork, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's like you, you would usually, I mean, nowadays you don't as much. Um, but back in the day, I mean, that's why there are so many different kinds of sausages in Germany. And all of, most of them are the, like the innards or like the cheaper cuts that like you can mm. do anything else with. A lot of fats yeah, as yeah. well. I like, I like the way the Japanese call it because it sounds so classy. The Ofal. <laughs> Oh yeah, we made this out of offal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They call it harumon, but when they describe what harumon is, they say it's offal. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's exactly correct. No one I know says that <laughs> word. <laughs> okay, let me ask you a question, Miss Miss mm -hmm. Host. Uh, what is the typical, like, say, low budget German soul food, but it's so good anyway? Um. Oh, that's a difficult question. I would say it's probably sausages and sauerkraut, which is mm. also something that a lot of people actually know. Um, but it's like, I yeah. mean, sauerkraut is something, it's uh, like it's a cabbage that's preserved. So yes. that's a typical thing that you could eat in the winter, like you could preserve it in the fall. or, or It's like amazing that summer. sauerkraut exists in every yeah. culture under various yeah. names, like kimchi. It's true. You know, yeah. for, it's here in Hawaii, idea. kimchi rules the world. Oh, uh, yes. And <laughs> even in the majority of the, the Asian countries, because Hawaii is very Asian influenced. And so mm -hmm. the majority of the Asian countries, they still use kimchi as their go-to pickled thing yeah. dish. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's lots of flavor, you know, and it's basically sauerkraut that's spicy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, I actually prefer kimchi over sauerkraut. Sauerkraut has kind of like one taste, I want to say, like it's one flavor profile. And kimchi is mm. so many different flavors. And like, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's a spice. It's, it's not really, like, it's not really just like a side dish or whatever. It's a spice in itself. I think it's heavily misunderstood by the appropriation methods that mm -hmm. exist out there. Like there's a lot of people that are using kimchi in dishes because it's on vogue mm -hmm. and not necessarily because they understand that kimchi. Yeah. Um, I was lucky. I was uh, kind of adopted by Korean families. So like I'm well versed yeah, cool. in the kimchi game uh -huh. and it, the cool thing I think though, now with everyone's understanding of probiotics that's the reason why it's kind of being yes. appropriated is because, you <laughs> know, true. everybody wants to take the probiotics, but mm -hmm. considering how much those pills cost yeah. and how cheap you can buy kimchi or sauerkraut or make it or, yourself or make it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just learn how to make it yourself. Mm -hmm. My, my venture right now is, is going to be more pickles. <laughs> I grew up, I grew up on my grandma's pickles and mm -hmm. they were such a good thing. Mm -hmm. And then, I became a store-bought pickler yeah. and I was like, that's, that's weird to me. So when you're, you know, talking of, Hey, like what's a, a food memory 
or something that you would think of. I remember my grandmother used to make all kind of pickle stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and we ate it because yeah. it could last forever in those jars in the cupboard. Yeah, you're And now right. it's funny, those jars are craft. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? no, exactly. And now they're expensive. Like back in the day, they were cheap. Like you could get them everywhere and they were like cheap and every, like everybody had like a million of them. And now, now yeah. they're expensive. Like it's, it's really funny. I, I distinctly remember her boiling the empty jars mm-hmm. in a big pot and I was like, why is granny cooking jars? <laughs> you know, I, was a, uh-huh. I was a little kid, you yep. know, I'm like six or seven years old. Yep. I'm like, why is she cooking jars? And she's like, oh, I'm sanitizing them. I'm like, mm-hmm. for Christmas? And she's like, get out of here. Get out of the kitchen. <laughs> but I, I, the reason why, and I know you brought this up in the beginning, the reason why I'm a foodie is I was probably grandma's boy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, amongst the cousins and the siblings and stuff, for whatever reason, I was hyper attached to my grandma. Mm-hmm. Probably because she cooks so good. Now that I'm kidding, <laughs> but when you're a little Probably. kid, you don't know, you know. Yeah. And then so, even though she would always try to shoot me out the kitchen, I was right there by the apron strings. Mm-hmm. And then after she realized that she wasn't going to rid of me, she started putting me on. You know, like here, mm-hmm. pull these ends off the beans, or take the you know mm-hmm. that string on the back of the string beans. Yeah. Pull this yeah. out. You yeah. know. And then when I discovered, oh, oh, this is cool. You can pull this out. <laughs> you know, and this, the science lover in me would freak mm-hmm. out, you know. And then yeah. I think I fell in love with cooking partially because of, again, being grandma's boy. And the mm-hmm. other part would be I discovered the science in cooking. And to this day, I still cook from a science perspective. Mm-hmm. My food hero will always be Alton Brown uh-huh. because yeah. he was the first person that I know of that put science and cooking on the map for the general population. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how old were you? Like your first memory as a kid, like in the kitchen, like pulling out those, those beans or like those strings? I want to say probably like five or six years old. Mm-hmm. You know, like my first memory common. of the kitchen is, is busting my head mm-hmm. <laughs> because I tried to get to the toaster to make a Pop-Tart <laughs> and I couldn't reach. And uh-huh. so being the genius that I was, <laughs> I opened the drawer and then I opened the oven door and uh, I created steps yep, so that I can climb yep, onto the smart. counter. <laughs> and then right when I got to the top, I got my Pop-Tart in, I put the thing down and I was standing in the top drawer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't think you could do that now, kids, because drawers are made out of uh, fiberboard. You'll probably break your butt. But like back <laughs> in the day, cabinets were yeah, made out of actual solid. wood. Yeah. Um, and so I remember I'm watching the heat in the toaster. I'm watching my mm-hmm. Pop-Tart go. And then I heard, hey, boy, get the, and a bunch of bad words <laughs> out, out for that. And I went to go turn around. And for whatever reason, the drawer came out and I went oh, flying. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then so in that drawer was like all the pot holders and the coupons mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. like mail and all that <laughs> stuff. So we we're flying all over the kitchen and I yeah. ended up sprawled on the kitchen floor. And, you know, <laughs> back in the day, it wasn't like, oh, he's hurt. Let me take that. No, back in the day, it was, I'm still going to kick your butt <laughs> for doing what you weren't supposed mm-hmm. to do. And I, dis- I discovered the wooden spatula. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was it's... my probably first memory of the kitchen. But for whatever reason, <laughs> even with the spanking, I was mm-hmm. never coming out of that kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really funny. I mean, when you mentioned that, like, you learned cooking from your grandma, 
I've heard that a lot. Like a lot of people don't learn too much from their parents and more from their grandparents for, for whatever reason. And it, it's not, I don't think it's an age I thing because I, I mean. Think, yeah, even today, but I think yeah. of our age at the time, you know, uh, grandparents were daycare mm-hmm. more, may, maybe more back then than now mm-hmm. um, because we've, we've sprawled out a lot more. In Hawaii, yeah. it's very much so grandparents are daycare because we don't have the sprawl. We're tight, yeah. you know, community. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's just because you happen to be there, you know, at, mm-hmm. when you're a child. Sure. Yeah. I mean, your parents were at work and your grandparents had time. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. For me, it was Actually, more my like mom it, didn't yeah. really pick up cooking mm-hmm. because, because my grandmother. So mm-hmm. uh, when it came time to cook, once I turned about 10, mm-hmm. I became the cook. <laughs> for the house mom mm-hmm. never really picked it up because she was the first you know college girl and working yeah. and yeah. you know at that time you you know right after vietnam you had to have two jobs kind yeah. of thing yeah it was also the time of like the the prepared meals like microwaves came into play and stuff like that so i, I have a feeling that has something to do with that oh yes i grew yeah. up on tv dinners mm-hmm. and and then i remember eating the the we call green beans or someplace called wax beans mm-hmm. i remember eating like green beans or wax beans in the tv dinner and i i think i distinctly remember it's like, <laughs> this don't taste like grandma's <laughs> you know, exactly what the, what the heck is this yeah. and then my mom was like shut up eat it you know and the other mm-hmm. thing that's so thankful i'm pretty sure has gone away that's because i don't look for it maybe it does exist Mm-hmm. Um, Clarence Birdseye in the U.S. basically uh, created the frozen brick of vegetable. Mm-hmm. Right, I think you so can still get them. You're talking about like yeah. a six-inch box by about mm-hmm. two inches thick by about mm-hmm. four inches, so it looked like a, a postcard. Yeah. yeah, and then you open it, and out would come this homogenous glob of spinach, mm-hmm. corn green beans like Mm -hmm. whatever side dish you need it you could buy it and then you just basically drop it in hot water yeah i I think you can still get them i've I've seen them somewhere oh (laughs) they were horrible because (laughs) it became waterlogged so exactly i i grew up as a kid hating vegetables because Mm -hmm. that's what i grew up eating was that Mm -hmm. sort of vegetable Mm -hmm. and so when i would see the greens, you know, my, my grandma would make greens. Mm-hmm. And when I would see the greens, I would never eat them. And I always thought they were rubbish or Brussels mm-hmm. sprouts. Oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then now Brussels sprouts is the hipster love. Yeah, yeah. And that's think, when, you, when they're not cooked in water. <laughs> yeah, I think to be f- that definitely, yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the things I, I definitely cannot eat Brussels sprouts. I mean, like if on occasion i've eaten them but like my my mom and my grandma and like my grandparents they used to cook them in water and that was horrible i mean as a kid yes, you don't horrible. like the taste the taste of brussels sprouts anyway because they're slightly anyway. bitter but then like if they're like bitter and mushy like no <laughs> i think the greatest discovery past the age of 40 is that bitter is good Mm-hmm. that's true i mean your, your taste buds have to come around to mm-hmm. it you know <laughs> yeah it's exactly i had i had Russell sprouts uh somewhere in phoenix like a couple of months ago and they were really good and i was like oh wow okay maybe i maybe i'm missing out yeah so i've been purposely trying to challenge myself to eat mm-hmm. things i swore that i didn't like as a kid mm-hmm. and it, it turns out i like a lot more of them than i thought um one thing that's trippy Okay, for instance, I, I wish that both my mom and my grandmother were alive to see my love for cabbage. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because as a kid, I take your full on ass whoopings because I wouldn't eat cabbage because mm-hmm. cabbage was nasty. But they were taking the frozen stuff yeah. and boiling it, Ooh, and it yeah. was disgusting. Yeah. Right. So here, um, shout out to my homie Chris Kajioka, a great chef. He makes a cabbage wheel. So imagine cutting like an inch and a half thick slice of cabbage, mm-hmm. almost like a steak, mm-hmm. right? And you char that bad boy in a cast iron skillet yep. for probably around 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. And you flip it over and you char the other side and you put a small mixture of sugar and salt on the top. Mm-hmm. And when both sides are well burned, like they create the Maillard reaction or whatever, mm-hmm. he slaps it on a plate and he creates this amazing like foam powder substance that goes on the top of it. Mm-hmm. And that charred cabbage is one of the greatest inventions ever. Yeah. And I could never imagine myself eating that much cabbage. And then it dawns on me, you know, when when I when I go home and I'm talking to my sisters that I eat kimchi damn near daily. <laughs> I always loved coleslaw, even as a kid mm-hmm. when I swear to God I hated cabbage, but I loved coleslaw. <laughs> it's funny how kids are like that. It's like, oh, this is not cabbage, this is coleslaw. <laughs> yeah, it's different, right? And, and, and then eating the charred cabbage. And then mm-hmm. what's now even more amazing is once you go to a Japanese restaurant to like a tonkatsu mm-hmm. or another place called a kushikatsu. Now, a katsu is a Japanese word for cutlet. It's mm-hmm. kutalitsu is how they pronounce cutlet. And it just got shortened to katsu. So mm-hmm. any type of cutlet, um, they normally slice it, serve it warm on a bed of cabbage. Mm-hmm. And then what is known as katsu sauce or what you can buy in a grocery store as bulldog sauce yeah. is like a combination of, I want to say like Worcestershire, ketchup, barbecue sauce, and mustard all mixed together. Yeah, sounds, is what sounds is known right. as yeah. Like bulldog sauce. Mm-hmm. And when you, you pour that over that drips down onto the cabbage with the fat from the fried cutlet yeah. and the juices from which, whether it's pork or chicken, which is the most common cutlets, although there are beef cutlets. And then in the end, it becomes like this fantastic little slaw yeah, salad move. Exactly. Right. It's, uh, no, I've it, had it when I was in Hawaii and like, I mean, it sounds strange. Oh, you or did, it sounds did, simple. did you go yeah. to uh, Tamafuji uh, or, yep, or um, Tamafuji? Oh, you went to, oh, oh, you yeah, know yeah. that. Yeah, you yeah. know, Tama know. Fuji. Oh, <laughs> oh, God, I just had a moment. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and it cool, the, the great part about cabbage, just to show you about that thing about being cheap, in restaurants where they do serve cutlet in Japan mm-hmm. is uh, the, the cabbage and the rice are, are continuous, right? Mm-hmm. So as you run out, you can just keep asking for more. Yeah. yeah. So the other way that they do it, instead of just giving you that the bulldog sauce or the, the tonkatsu sauce, mm-hmm. is they'll also serve it what's known as a wafu, which mm-hmm. is a Japanese dressing, like a vinaigrette. Mm-hmm. And, oh, <laughs> man. It's, it's, people it's, are getting moving. hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it is it's quite a moving yeah. experience. So yeah. I, think, I think to me that 
that that I wish everyone could have an opportunity to taste that. But I would just love for my my mom and my grandmother to see how much cabbage I eat nowadays. <laughs> they would be mind blown. Yeah, because there was fights, uh, yeah. there was uh, corporal punishment, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was running around trying not to get hit because yeah. I figured out I learned that I was faster than them. There was hiding <laughs> under the the table. There uh-huh. was feeding into the dog, and then yep. there's dog farts. Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, all of the above, and like mm-hmm. now it's it's one of my favorite foods. It's yeah. so crazy. I I had the same thing with uh, spinach. Like the same thing. It like it usually came in a brick, and it didn't like once my mom had cooked it, it didn't taste like much. Uh, other than it was a little bit bitter. So I I was always like I don't like spinach. And then I tried I tried fresh spinach first, and like made it with like a pasta dish. I think and I was like, wow, that's actually amazing. And then I tried it as a salad. Like that that was good. And I was like, okay, maybe maybe I'm missing out. And um, Like now I'm a big fan of spinach. Like I'll throw it into anything. So well, it's the I same didn't thing. know that I didn't know that the um, the frozen brick of vegetables huh? came past the U.S. I didn't know. Yeah, that it no, you could. It's uh, it's probably even the same company at this point. Like I think they're just a global player. Um, and like you can buy that here in a store. Still, and it's still the same horrible that's, that's thing. A, <laughs> it was, it was for here. It was bird's eye and mm-hmm. then Jolly Green Giant. Mm-hmm. But then what, what made it just absolutely special? Uh, you know, our stores, our retail chains are your Kroger's and your Safeway, your mm-hmm. Ralph's. Ralph's Kroger and Safeway is actually the same store across the U.S. in mm-hmm. Albertsons. It's just named something different depending on where you live. Yeah. Um, they always had their in-house brand that was even worse than the bird's eye or the green giant. But back in the day, I distinctly remember them being four for a dollar. So they were cheap. And then if they were on sale, they were like six for a (laughs) dollar. Yeah. And I mean, as a crafty mom that like doesn't have too much budget, like you, you buy that. And then the step up, if I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. this, the step up is when it would come in a plastic bag mm-hmm. and you could boil the whole thing in the plastic bag because it came with like a sauce. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the yeah. broccoli with the cheese. It's not even mm-hmm. cheese. I don't know what it is. It's some kind of like weird orange Cheese-like. substance. <laughs> Cheese-like substance. <laughs> che- yeah, cheese sauce. So it would be like broccoli and uh, it would be a, a collaboration with Kraft. Mm-hmm. So it'd be Velveeta. Oh, and then you yeah. pull the little pouch out and you boil it. And then the other one was uh, was known as a Salisbury steak, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. which is basically a, a chuck steak, mm-hmm. and it would be in this gravy, mm-hmm. and you boil that whole thing in the bag. Yeah. And so literally dinner time was <laughs> mom would get out the scissors and cut open these two bags uh-huh. and just brah. Yeah. And, like, and you, dinner. you know what? That is popular as well now. I mean, the whole uh, sous vide t- technique and everything. Yeah, it, see, we didn't know it as sous vide back then. We knew it as nasty crap in a plastic bag. But yes, that yeah. is exactly right. Yeah, stuff is coming back. Uh, as I said that those those bags uh, you can still buy today. I mean, that that is still around. Here's and, one you got to try. Yeah. If they have the brand there, it's called Stouffer's here. I'm sure mm-hmm. you know these brands are all global, so they're probably I'll under. Probably find it. Like, yeah a different name which mm-hmm. is funny because the Stouffer's is already German so why would they change it <laughs> <laughs> um, we had uh, was it chipped beef mm-hmm. and then so what it was like is thin sliced beef mm-hmm. and it comes in a cream sauce 
And so why that was a favorite is because both my dad and my grandpa were military and they had SOS in the service. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and I don't, I want to, for your explicit tag, I won't explain what SOS is, but <laughs> the other two words are on a shingle, meaning a piece of toast. Mm-hmm. And then, so when you got the Stouffer's cream chip beef, I, I don't even know if it was good or not, but I liked it because <laughs> I liked it because I figured mm-hmm. I was following in my grandpa and my dad's footsteps with being a soldier and this is soldier food. So I always wanted to eat that cream chip beef on toast. Mm-hmm. And then now that's converted <laughs> into my love for sausage, biscuits and gravy, which is basically mm-hmm. the same thing, but slightly different more yeah. with sausage instead. Yeah. It's, I mean, it. <laughs> It's funny, like how sometimes the the bad stuff is is what sticks with us. I mean, I have that with with my kids right now. Where like, I mean, mac and cheese. That's why why I bring up mac and cheese a lot because that's like one of the things we cook a lot. Um, but it has to be craft Velveeta mac and cheese. Like it can't be the. I, I once tried to make good mac and cheese, and they didn't like it. <laughs> they wanted the craft, the crappy ones. So it's oh, it's the fluorescent funny. mac and cheese. Yeah, it's like what. It's like why I, I didn't get it. I'm like, why? But like that's that's the stuff people remember. Like if it has to be mac and cheese, it has to be that. Like it can't be the good kind or any other kind. No, it has to be exactly that one. So it's I really funny how right our because, memories work. Yeah, I guess you're right, because I think that Emma actually loves the fluorescent mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what it is about it. <laughs> at Thanksgiving, um my girl Eddie, she makes you know, real mac and cheese, you know, mm-hmm. and I've made, I've made real mac yeah, and cheese too. for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think that goes over. Actually, <laughs> I sent you my mac and cheese recipe way yeah. back when we first started being friends. That's true. And, 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 <laughs> and that, that mac and cheese recipe is legit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess <laughs> if you grew up on the blue box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I said, it's, it's super, super funny. Like how, how our memories and our feelings get attached to that. And like, I mean, in case our my kids like not twenty years later or thirty years later, but in our case it's like twenty years, thirty years yet later, we still crave and remember exactly that. Like I said, there there might be better options, but we're like, no, it has to be exactly this brand, this crappy version that I got as a kid. Okay, I found it. In in uh, Germany is mm-hmm. Stau- it's probably still Stauffer, but I'm going to say it in English. It's Stauffer, S T A U F F E R. And S-T-O-V-E-R. Because mm-hmm. that's the p- correct pronunciations. In the U.S., mm-hmm. we say Stouffer's. But it's mm-hmm. how you say? Stouffer. There you go. It sounds like Topher. It kind of is, yeah. Topher. I'm going to start calling him Stouffer. He's going to be like, what? <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> so, that's the, so it is the same Nestle brand even in mm-hmm. Germany. And it's probably just pronounced right. Because I was like, the name itself is probably German in the first place. Yeah. Or Swiss in the first Maybe. place. Maybe, yeah. Something like even that. Nestle, right? Nestle is Swiss. Nestle is yeah, French Swiss. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I think I grew up not too far from a Nestle factory. So they have Nestle in Koblenz? Uh no, there was like at the Swiss border, actually. Oh yeah. so nice. I want to circle back to something that you mentioned at the beginning with regarding your grandma. Um I, I want to talk a little bit about like pickling or like preserving. Did you do like did she grow her own stuff and, and like pickle it with oh, you or preserve deaf. it with you? Most deaf. I was responsible for the tomatoes at the bottom. 
because mm-hmm. I was I was short, you know. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, her back's already hurting, you know, because <laughs> she's she's an old lady. Sure. And my grandma was grandma. a nurse, and yeah. and then so Ooh, yeah. she was on her feet all the time, and then bending mm-hmm. over, changing you know, changing mm-hmm. diapers and and doing all the nursely type stuff. Yeah, right. And That's then as she became job, yeah. older, she became a private nurse mm-hmm. for um this sort of wealthy Jewish family, mm-hmm. and. You know, they were super, super nice to her. So I didn't realize it, but all of a sudden, a lot of the, uh, like, sort of Jewish-German food became part of our diet. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> the, the lady would always, you know, have my grandma making things for her sure. that yeah. matched what, you know, she sort of ran away from Germany, yeah. right? Yeah, that makes sense. And, and, yeah, so one of the things, I guess, that, you know, my grandmother was a, a farm girl in the first place. So, mm-hmm. yes, we definitely grew stuff in the back. And I remember I loved just pulling the tomato off the plant mm-hmm. and splashing <laughs> a little salt on that bad boy and just yep. eating it like an exactly. apple. I was a tomato yeah. apple kid. Mm-hmm. Me too. Absolutely. And then I mean, it, it the is- other one I thought was weird was yeah. the little red there's these little red plants and like these are cool they're so bright this is great <clears throat> oh my god oh my god and my grandmother she basically <laughs> fell out in the garden and she was laughing so hard cuz she did it I, I think she was trying to tell me not to do what I was fitting to do but you know you're <laughs> yeah, your no kids, kids. Yep. <laughs> so i was like Granny, look this one is so bright red it's going to mm-hmm. be really good it's a skinny mm-hmm. tomato white <laughs> oh! That you just oh, brought funny. back a very hilarious memory for me. Oh yeah, that that is funny. Yeah, and and I mean the stuff tasted great. I mean I don't know whether it was because it was with your grandma or whether it was simply because she had grown it, like it was fresh uh, compared to the stuff that you usually buy in the store. But like it tasted amazing. I mean I remember like my my grandma used to grow like tiny little like cherry tomatoes. And like every every morning or whatever, I would go outside and just pick one or two, or just off off the plant and just eat them and they were amazing and like that's that's something i still remember to this day and i still compare every like every cherry tomato i buy and eat to that one that i like had there you know it's funny like i i tend to not really fall in in love with the conversations about you know our food mechanism and how Mm -hmm. bad it is and things Mm -hmm. like that because me neither because it's difficult. Like I grew mm-hmm. up poor, so I know what it means to eat the over homogenized, mm-hmm. uh, over processed food. Because that was what sure. we could afford yeah, at the time. You know, that was still and, is to this day the cheap stuff. Uh, right yeah. to this day, the stuff that's yeah. bad for you. Yeah, but I was lucky enough to do the college stint in Japan, and then mm-hmm. now when I go to Japan, and. I remember of all of the myriad beautiful things of Japan, I remember the first trip where I was going with Karen together. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't wait for you to eat vegetables. And I, she probably looked at me like, what are you <laughs> like, talking what? about? <laughs> it's, it's just vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Japan, for whatever reason, they respect their vegetables way too mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. And their fruit, their produce in general, they mm-hmm. respect their produce almost like like a God level, mm-hmm. lowercase g. So they, they don't... Um, yeah, they don't mess with it. Like, it has to be pristine. They yeah. treat it the way people in Westminster treat their labradoodles, right? <laughs> Everything is yeah. paid attention to. Every mm-hmm. detail, the food, talking to them, covering them up with uh, with bags so that the birds don't get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, just to show you a hyper-focus, when they do grapes, about 300 grape pods grow onto 
the end of the vine. Mm -hmm. They go and cut all but 30. Mm -hmm. They hand cut in an entire field, all but 30. So those mm -hmm. 30 become these gigantic inch and a half full flavored, fully yeah. sweet grapes. Instead of they just grow them all and then take the rest and chop it up and turn it into juice. They don't do that. Like they yeah. behave, they, they treat it differently. So when you speak of tomato, I forgot what tomatoes tasted like until my, <laughs> my stint in Germany, I mean, in Japan. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I tasted a tomato again for the first time, like it, it almost will bring a tear to your eye when you realize what really fantastic produce tastes like. And for the listeners in the U.S., the closest that you'll get to that here is probably Portland. And that sounds crazy, but Portland ha has made an arrangement with Sapporo about 20, 30 years ago to be a sister city. So mm -hmm. they started adopting some of those Japanese growing techniques. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the farmer's market in Portland will give you toe curling experience with basic fresh vegetables. Yeah, I think it's in general, like if you if you can find a good, far, a really good farmer's market with like local farmers, um, that's where you have the biggest chance of getting like really good, well-tended, like well, like really tasty produce in general. I'm glad um, to see it's making a comeback. Yeah. And I'm if you're lucky enough to do so, you have to try it. Like you got to give up the grocery store one time mm -hmm. and then go to your CSA or your farmer's market mm -hmm. and get some of that fresh, fresh local produce and just yeah. taste, just start tasting things that you used to not like again. Like I still mm -hmm. can't do broccoli. It's texture. It's not flavor. Mm -hmm. I, for no. some reason, the little pieces, <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't polish that one, but mm -hmm. I, 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 I want you to go because of your love for food. I want you to go to Japan so bad because mm -hmm. I just want to sit back and watch the look <laughs> on your face. I'm, I'm just like, like I'm like, oh, you think you just got that those curls done? Yo, those curls mm -hmm. would tighten up. Like, Whoa, this food is so good. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that definitely happens. I mean, like wherever I go, like the farmers markets are my first stop. Like London, first time I had to go to Borough Market. The first thing I looked up in Phoenix was like, where are the farmers market? They had like luckily we have like I don't know, seven or ten of them, and they're all good. So it like didn't matter. But I went to it like every weekend, went every Saturday morning, went to the farmer's market, picked up some whatever vegetables were like available in season. And like that, I still do that. Like it's, it's super important for me. So I'm definitely going to do that, like go to Japan. You know what I've been wanting to do? Because um, you speak of food memory. Mm -hmm. I, another love of mine that I got from my grandma that I didn't really realize until we're having this conversation. So thank you, uh, first welcome. and foremost. Um, <laughs> My grandma had a love for that. Nothing happens before that cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. So if you were to wake up in the morning and the house is on fire, grandma <laughs> would be like, hold that thought. I'm going to drink this coffee and I'll put a hose on it. Because <laughs> <laughs> like my, my, my grandma would wake up in the morning and have her cup of coffee, read mm -hmm. her newspaper, check the bullets in her gun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the, the basics, you know, yeah. the absolute basics for a hood grandma. Um, And then so I remember probably at way too young an age now, which probably we considered child abuse. Uh, <laughs> I think I started drinking coffee with grandma like around eight, nine or 10, you know? Yeah, so like that. Yeah. She would give me, she would go out and get the little thing of decaf. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I remember 
instant was becoming big. You know, mm. I remember the old <laughs> pot where mm-hmm. it was the uh, uh, Hill Brothers uh, or or Maxwell House or chock mm-hmm. full of nuts. Mm-hmm. And I remember because we always had the cans. The cans were always full of something other than coffee yeah, after the yeah. fact. Yep. Um, th- th- that's where I discovered bullets. I was like, what are these, Grandma? Put that away. <laughs> Don't touch that can. Uh, so I remember that I would sit with her and I would see these commercials on TV about International House Viennese coffee. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the cappuccino. So it was like instant cappuccino or instant Viennese coffee. Mm-hmm. And I remember falling in love with it. It tasted so good, but it was crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it almost became like, oh, you did good in school. Let me get one of these for you so you can have coffee with grandma in the morning. Oh, nice. And yeah. so now that I know better and I know where Vienna is and not just that's where the classical music guys came from, <laughs> I want to go and have an actual like, you know, Viennese coffee in mm-hmm. honor of coffee with, you know, Sarah May in the morning. Yeah, we should do that And, and just curious as to, like, you know, what what kind of taste they would have, like, what the mm-hmm. real deal is. Because I only have ever tasted the, the rubbish instant stuff in the can. Mm-hmm. No, we should definitely do that together. Like, have a coffee and, like, a Zachatorte, which is, like, a very famous cake from, from Vienna. Is that the one with the lines, like lots yes, and lots of lines? Exactly, chocolate and everything. Like it's yeah, they call it's it they, they call it a, a Venetian or something here. Yeah, something like yeah, so something dumb like that. But <laughs> it's 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 basically a lot, a lot of lines, and then so mm-hmm. it's like white chocolate, white chocolate, white chocolate, white mm-hmm. up into like a stack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. like it's amazing, and we'll we'll do that. Yeah. And then I, again, you know, not that I sit around and I'm not going to act like I sit around and listen to it all day, but I have always (laughs) just because of being a kid and maybe from that first uh, book report that I had to Mm -hmm. do on Schubert, I I liked classical music, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so I would love to hear it in a real like Viennese hall. Mm -hmm. One of my friends, she she flies for, um, she flies for a Japanese airline, Mm -hmm. but she's stationed there. Mm-hmm. And you know, even for us, like I grew up, I never would have thought I would like classical music, but it's everywhere mm-hmm. here. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's it's part true. of the culture. Yep. And I was like, really? That sounds weird, but I guess it's true. So <laughs> yeah, know. I mean, it, it's like it's like other cities that have like a have strong ties to to music. Like I'm trying to remember, like uh, jazz in New Orleans. Yeah, for example. Yeah, it's like or it's just everywhere. In New York. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like it's just everywhere, and like. It's the same. It's, I mean, I'm not too far from Vienna, like about an hour, and like you, you can even feel it here. It's it's definitely there. That's cool. Do, yeah, that's cool. Do you have like a recipe, like a favorite that you would like to share that I could put, like on the podcast? Oh man, there's so <laughs> many. <laughs> I know it's difficult. Like I, I'm always struggling. I'm like. I have a recipe. I, you, of know, you know what I've been falling in love with? I've mm-hmm. been falling in love with the um, the lockdown. Everybody is on this things that you can make out of three ingredients, and like mm-hmm. they're super, super simple, yeah. and they're delicious, right? Yeah. So probably when I was going to school in Japan, one of the greatest things ever is known as like the beef bowl. Mm-hmm. And you can make it with pork, you can make it with chicken, you can make it with any of the above. But it's basically a 
tare, which is a combination of uh, soy sauce, uh, midin, which is mm -hmm. like a sweet, sweetened sake. Mm -hmm. Sake, sugar, and water. That's the sauce. It's mm -hmm. basically equal parts of all of that. Yeah. And you create the sauce. And then you take a, a very thinly sliced beef. Mm -hmm. And you get it going in a pot for just like a quick minute. Right mm -hmm. when it starts to change color, uh, to the pink has come out, you yeah. pour the tare in. Mm -hmm. And it the, because of the sugars in that in there, it gets a little thick. Mm -hmm. And then you you uh, drop some onions in that, and you basically pick that up and drop it on a bowl of hot rice. Mm -hmm. In Japan, because of their eggs are so amazing, they'll crack a raw egg on the top. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of countries like we're against raw eggs because they're so heavily commercialized yeah. that we you can't. It's probably not safe to eat raw eggs. Yeah. Luckily, we have a Japanese yeah. egg farm here, so ours mm -hmm. are pretty epic. Yeah. Um, but. What, uh, and what's amazing about this is if you go to one of the chains like uh, Yotsunoya or Matsuya or Sukiya, those are the three, mm -hmm. you can get that bowl as probably about eight, nine hundred grams. And it's the, the, the topping, you know, the beef, pork or chicken. Mm -hmm. It's a couple pieces of ginger, green onions and rice. And mm -hmm. you're talking like four or five bucks for that bowl. Mm hmm. So as a college kid, and it's 24 hours a day, right? Yeah, They're open. That, and he, that's you see nothing in there but transient workers, workers on the hustle, mm -hmm. dudes that just came. If you're at early in the morning, dudes that just came from drinking and got to sober up before work, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and college students. Yep. And to show you how efficient these places are, you roll in, you drop uh, – say 500 N coin, which is like a, a big quarter, you mm -hmm. drop it in the machine, a little ticket comes out. Mm -hmm. By the time you take off your jacket and put your umbrella away and sit down, somebody comes running out of the back with your bowl. <laughs> and then they serve it with a, a miso soup mm -hmm. and a hot tea or nice. cold tea if you want it. Yeah, that's perfect. And it is hands down yeah. one of the greatest things you will ever eat mm -hmm. and it's so inexpensive and it's so cheap and it's so delicious and anyone can make it yeah. um and so i can put together the ingredients for you and send it to you oh, absolutely. or you can just look up just look up standard like japanese beef bowl that's mm -hmm. called the gyudon the actual name is gyudon g-y-u-d-o-n gyu meaning beef don meaning bowl i think so, i've seen that somewhere well because i sent you the recipe for oyakudon mm -hmm. right the oyakudon is chicken yep. and egg bowl, right? Yep. The oya is parents and mm -hmm. the ku is child, right? So parent child bowl, oyakudon. <laughs> it's really, really creepy, Japan. Hello. <laughs> uh, really creepy, but, but really good. <laughs> it's really good. That is like the serious sofu. That warms the body mm -hmm. on a mm -hmm. on a cold day. It warms the body. It, mm -hmm. it, will, it will shake your soul. It's so delicious. Yeah. And again, so easy to make, right? The tare is there, the same basically recipe. Mm -hmm. And you slightly, um, you slightly let the onions go in it until they become soft. You know, mm -hmm. you on a low royal, yep. Ro yep. low roiling. Okay, Engl English. <laughs> low rolling boil. There we go. That's so hard to say. Until once the, the, the onions get a little soft and transparent, you drop in some chicken mm -hmm. thigh until they're done. And at the very end, you just pour a beaten egg over the top for just a split second until mm -hmm. it starts to solidify. And you're done. And you just put that on rice. 
and, and then so amazing. A little, a little tear, a little tear comes out your eye when you're eating it. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I'll definitely put that. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, that because you be you made that video for YouTube. I think you made it, and I, I remember I was watching. It, yeah. I couldn't un, I couldn't understand a word you were saying <laughs> except for when you would say Doug Rock. <laughs> but <laughs> I do I do remember you making that video mm -hmm. on YouTube. So you can link your old video to this post. Yeah, I'll I'll do that too. But I also do the uh, the what was it called now? Gyu Gyu Don. Yeah, I'll yes, I'll definitely link that. Gyu. Uh, it's almost exactly the same. Mm -hmm. uh, you're just kind of substituting beef or pork for mm -hmm. that. And then if you can't get thinly sliced, you could do it with the ground meat. Mm -hmm. uh, you can, you know, basically just brown off the ground meat. Yeah, and then that works. Pour, in the, pour, pour it in mm -hmm. with the, uh, you know, sort of translucent onions and the yeah. sauce. And you just let it thicken just a touch. You don't want to get mm -hmm. too thick because that sauce getting down into the rice is mm -hmm. where the actual love comes yes. in. I mean, rice is amazing anyway, especially when it's well prepared. It's really interesting how, like, how hard it is to really prepare it, or how easy it is, and how many people still mess it up. Let's put it that way. Do you have <laughs> a, a, a like a Japanese style rice cooker? Yet? No, that's something that's on very much on my list, but they are harder to get here. Oh yeah, and naturally, I understand yeah. that. Um, one thing that you might look up on Amazon is see if you can find a. It's, it's called a donabe. It's mm -hmm. D-O-N-A-B-E. And what it is is a clay vessel. Mm -hmm. And you can make similarly that steamed Japanese-style rice in the mm -hmm. donabe. That's how it was originally done. The electric mm -hmm. version is is like the new new. Yeah. But uh, you could probably pick up a donabe, uh, let's say like a one-and-a-half liter donabe for um, probably like around 30 bucks. Mm -hmm. That's not too bad. And then do you have electric or gas? Uh, induction also electric. Oh, it, they don't really work on induction because they're yeah. made out of clay. So yeah, you can still get it. There, there are those like little plates that you can put. The plates, there. right? Yeah. What we do is uh, we got a little teeny gas camp stove. Mm -hmm. um, they're also Japanese. The gas comes in a can. <laughs> it looks like hairspray, mm -hmm. and it's known as the Iwatani burner. And oh, you yeah, can buy those from those. Amazon as well. Yep. <laughs> um, they're really really popular. And they're good to have because it's a low flame. It's not really dangerous mm -hmm. or anything. Um, they're good to have in the house because there are certain things that you just need to cook with fire. And so what I mostly use it for is cooking in a donabe. And I use it for when you want to brown mm -hmm. uh, a bell pepper real fast. Yep. You know, yep. Or, or I use the torch. <laughs> yeah. but I don't like the torch because the torch can impart, you know, splash gas flavors if you go yeah, too you hard. Yeah, you don't want that. Yeah. No, that's that's very cool. I said I'll I'll put that I put all those links and like whatever links I can find for what we talked about uh, in the in the show notes. That will be at foodieflashback.com slash one because this is the very it, first. It's episode. really cool. It's really really cool. Like this, it brings back some good memories and mm -hmm. make me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> same and we never talk about like we usually talk about tech and all of that and like it's it's kind of refreshing to talk about something else right something different than tech something, exactly <laughs> like i mean we do that every week and we've been doing it as we like said at the beginning for years and years and years and now we can do talk talk about something else yeah um i think yeah i, I don't know do you have anything else you want to share i just say uh it's a really good idea and I can't wait to listen to hear sort of what, you know, the, the going foods are around mm -hmm. the world. Um, yeah. if, 
if people out there listening need any inspiration, you know, Ugly Delicious is an amazing show and the exploration of food. I've mm-hmm. always recently, I don't want to say always, I guess recently since Alton Brown became very interested in food anthropology. Yeah, me too. You know, and, and I think that's what sparked my quote unquote hashtag foodie. Like mm-hmm. I would just would have been considered a hungry person prior. But <laughs> once you started understanding the history and like how these things came about and like how, you know, tempura is so popular in Japan, but yet that came from Portugal, mm-hmm. but it's kind of the national food of Japan, you know, yeah. or like the ramen came from China kind of thing. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, like even for us, like I said in the very beginning, ours is hamburgers and hot dogs, both of which we stole from Germany. <laughs> I mean, everybody's kind of stole from everyone to some extent. I mean, potatoes, like very popular. Like I always say Germany is, for example, meat and potatoes. Potatoes aren't indigenous in Germany. Like they came from South America. So it's like really funny, like over, like, as you said, like over the centuries, like we've kind of, everything has kind of mixed and moved and, someone saw something it was amazing and took that idea and brought it somewhere else and like all of that and then like spices came into play like it's it's really like trade and all of that and like talking to people like what we do uh it inspires people to well even the contrast of how you make it yours right you take what's available and you have to convert it so like i'm sitting here giving you this long lecture about tonkatsu Mm -hmm. and i just realized my first tonkatsu ever in the world wasn't a tonkatsu it was a venus schnitzel (laughs) <laughs> that is true yeah and it's very it's it is to some extent similar and then again it's not yeah it's different like, it's, but it's well, yeah different. when i was stationed in stuttgart or mm-hmm. if i i know if i say that correctly yeah you, but you do. yeah when i was in, when i was in stuttgart and i had my first venus schnitzel or uh, uh the other one is um pepper schnitzel or ram 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 schnitzel. schnitzel yep yep jäger schnitzel <laughs> there's so many schnitzels here as i said germany meat and potatoes right <laughs> oh my goodness see and i didn't and i didn't even realize that and what is the the egg the egg stuff on the uh, side spätzle spätzle yep Kirsch spätzle Kirsch spätzle yeah oh i know geez. i know uh, i know jerry makes them like in on hawaii every now and then Oh. Like his version, <laughs> man. Yeah, good. I think Whoa. I think we need we need another two episodes. One about where we only talk about Japan, and one we where we only talk about Germany. <laughs> I, I just now I'm going to be wanting to eat case pizza. Oh, yeah. and, and then a lingonberry, a lingonberry tort at the end. Mm-hmm. I can send you the recipe for that. Case pizza are actually oh. easy to make, so. See, it's it's again one of those things that's fairly simple, fairly easy to make, uh, cheap. But just so so good. Actually, that's. I think that should be the highlight. What's the simple and cheap thing from where Mm -hmm. you're from or currently where you're at Mm -hmm. that other people would think is mind bending, but it's actually super simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll put that. I'll put it in the show notes as well. We'll we'll put that out on Twitter and like ask people. I want to know that. Like, I'm super interested in stuff like that. Like the cheap and simple and so so good stuff in the world. And everybody okay, has on the one. Okay, on the ending note, you want to know still to this day what my favorite food in the world is? And you're probably going to laugh. It's a 50-50 split between grilled cheese and peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I totally get that. For me, it would be a PB&J. <laughs> it's so weird, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we go, I travel all around the world mm-hmm. to eat these fantastic foods. And if you gave me, like, a split decision on any <laughs> given day, fresh bread, PB&J, mm-hmm. crunchy, mm-hmm. on. 
And then recently discovered, butter it and slightly fry it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Game over. Game it's, over. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like, it's like, I mean, I discovered PB&J maybe 10 years ago. And I still like, it's still one of my favorite things. It's really funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's such a simple thing, but it's so, it's mind bending. Oh, that's funny. Cool. Like, I really appreciate this. It's a great idea. I can't wait to see what other people have to say. Me too. And then I'm probably going to gain a lot of recipes out of this. (laughs) If it's only recipes, it's good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for for being here. Thank you for doing this. Like, I was was kind of trying to figure out, like, who, who I could invite first, like, to get, like, an easy start and, like, someone interesting to talk to. And I was like, okay, let's ask Doc. Like you're, you know, you're, you gotta have one. You gotta call up Chuck. Oh yeah, I'm gonna do that. Chuck, Chuck in Portland. Like when mm-hmm. I went to go visit, he took me to the best places. Oh, like Karen and I would just go to places, and at first, like, should we go here or should we go here? And Chuck was like, oh, you should go here because this is better. Mm-hmm. And then we would go, and we're like, man, Chuck took us to the greatest places, and probably one of the best meals I've had in the last five years was at a place called Agnes Bistro. Mm-hmm. And it's a French bistro. And I am not like a fan of just a pure, like Julia Child's French cuisine. Yeah. Dean de France. <laughs> like, wasn't about that yeah. life. And then I went to Agnes Bistro and I ate uh, the simplest one, which is going to make me forget what it is right now. But it's basically the bean platter. Um, it's slow pork shank cooked in beans, white mm-hmm. beans. Mm-hmm. I completely forget what it is called. It's yeah. a very common dish. Mm-hmm. And I was like moved to my, <laughs> I was moved to tears. It was so good. And I was like, what in the, I, I just gave in mm-hmm. and I ate some Francophile food, which I would have totally poo-pooed any mm-hmm. given day. Yeah. And it's, it was moving. So yeah. yeah. Chuck, and, and Chuck will have good, like, you know, things to eat. Cause yeah. He, he eats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, we all eat. I mean, there, there are definitely people that care less about food and for, for, like, for whom food is only, like, sustenance, basically. They don't care for the most part. But, like, everybody eats. Like, and, and most, I would say everyone or at least most people will have, like, a favorite food or a favorite story or something because it, it, it's so visceral. Like, it's something that we... Like there's so many feelings attached to it. Like it's if if you have this like really amazing food, like it it makes you happy, and that that feeling you remember forever and ever. And I think that's that's why yes. like we that's why we I mean that's why we love food. Like it's there's a reason why we're so obsessed, honestly, with food. Sometimes it um, becomes emotional. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it exactly. All right. Um, yeah. Thank you for, for being here. Uh, maybe you can tell everyone where they can find you. I'm all over the internet at Doc Rock, D-O-C-R-O-C-K. And then the uh, YouTube channel and the blog is now at Doc Rock Tips. That's Doc Rock with T-I-P-S. Nice. Very good. Yeah. And you can find me all over the web uh, at thepatrice.com, like everything I do. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at foodieflashback and foodieflashback.com. And please don't forget, like if you like us, share and rate us on iTunes so more people will find this amazing podcast. And if you're interested, you want to, like you have a story to tell, you want to talk to me, 
you want to share something, then like reach out to me either on Twitter or like there's a form on the website if you want like if you feel like better doing that. That's fine too. And yeah, I think that's it. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to each other next time. Hello.